one, two, five, nine. Father, preacher, servant, leader, rector, reverend, deacon, elder, what the hell? Here on the podcast, we do like to talk with a um, certain nostalgia about Wesley. Uh, but sometimes that nostalgia turns into, uh, you know, just, just being honest about the spaces. And so I, I think of Wesley as being this kind of also this kind of really utilitarian space, right? It has this kind of, we were built when this was the vibe kind of vibe. And so I would be interested to hear how you're working in spaces I, you mentioned a community garden. I did not know there was a community garden. Uh, Ian just made a face at me. I, I had no idea. So let's talk, let's talk plants and making spaces welcoming and, and all sorts of things like that. Love that. Yes. So I have been very interested to see where, where my trajectory is going with my position at Westlake. Cause I'm an adjunct professor, but then I'm also the community arts coordinator, which you know, I signed a contract and it has things that they would like me to do, but it's also pretty general. And the things that I've been doing thus far have been building off of either what's happening or things that I've done that have inspired other projects. And so one of the things that has been really interesting talking about sacred spaces is I was given the opportunity to curate an art show exhibit space in our gallery on campus. And in having conversation now this was contextually this was we started to talk about this in the fall of 2021 so last fall we were not quite back fully on campus not a lot of stuff happening on campus and so I was thinking of when we come back to being on campus in the winter so like January February what will be useful beneficial appreciated by students, faculty, staff, and the community at large. And something that I came up with was providing a, a space that was an immersive installation. That was kind of my, my initial thought. I love an installation art exhibit. There's something to be said for, for entering a space and, and being not confused, or, but maybe surprised and enchanted, as opposed to the norm of an exhibit space, which is art hanging on a wall. I love those spaces where you walk in and it's something different. There's stuff hanging from the ceiling, coming up from the ground, something that you have to walk around to. I love stuff like that. So I was like, how can I create something that is immersive? That's, you know, call it an installation. And it kind of morphed into a, a sacred space living room. I was thinking of, well, I want people to be able to come in and sit. I want this idea of relaxation sanctuary came up as I was thinking about things. And so we turned it into a, what we call a living sanctuary, which was basically a living room set up with a couch, a, a papazan chair in the corner, um, bookshelves with books, uh, a place where people could go and like hang out, relax, even take a nap or get some work done. And called it Living Sanctuary because we filled it with plants. And we had some stuff hanging from the ceiling that uh, looked like vines that you could write little prayers or reflections on the vine and then pin it so that you contribute to the installation. It was really great. It was really fun and got a lot of positive attention from the Wesley community. And people were like, wow, how cool is this? This is nothing like we've ever seen here before. It was so great to pe for people to be able to go to a place and sit. And this sparked conversations of 
man, there aren't a whole lot of places on campus where you can do stuff like this, mm-hmm. which was, I guess, a little surprising to me, given that there are people who live on campus. You know, I heard like, this is a nicer space than any student designated space on campus. And I was like, oh, tell me more about that. And so I learned, you know, a lot of spaces that are lounges or rooms that are like maybe lobby entries are leaves a little more to be desired, right? There's there's concrete walls. There's like maybe we talked about like dorm room furniture or fluorescent lighting. Nothing really that invites you in and says, come take a rest, sit, pray, do what you got to do, have a snack, take a nap. But that was, there's not a whole lot of that. And so we had conversations of, well, how can we make more spaces like Living Sanctuary? You know, Living Sanctuary was an exhibit, right? We had, we, we took it down after a few months. There's a new show up right now. And so there was a bit of mourning period of like, man, this is such a great space. I'm so sad to see it leave. And so uh, I collaborated with some with students, with um, faculty and staff on campus that gave suggestions. And one of the spaces that we have been working really hard on is the commuter lounge, which is in the downstairs level of Krusty, uh, which is right underneath, funnily enough, underneath the exhibit space. Right. And so it, it has vending machines in it, um, some you know couches and chairs, but just not very exciting to be in as a space. And so what we did was I I tried to think of, well, what would make this space more comfortable? I had a pretty small budget, but enough to do something. At least I couldn't buy all new furniture. I couldn't, you know, like completely renovate. You know, I, I couldn't do all the crazy things that I would have wanted to do. But what we could do was make it more comfortable. So we got a bunch of really nice pillows with some cool pillowcases. One of them is is like a corduroy almost. It's got like ribbed, I don't know what you call it, but it's ri- ribbed so that when you put your fingers over it, it feels really nice. We got a bunch of plants to put in there, which is really great. So now there's, there's life in that space. Um, I think there's one, two, three, four, five, six or seven, maybe even eight plants in there. Actually more than that, because we got some smaller vines that are draping down from the windows. We bought some nice deep blue paint that we're gonna paint one of the walls. We're gonna put up art. We're gonna put up shelves um, to make it feel more like a, like a living room or like a space that you would go in to hang out. And it's amazing what just visuals can do to a space. If you paint a wall, if you put up shelves, if you put up art, we're putting up a really big piece of art with like vibrant orange and deep blues and really pretty colors. It's amazing what it does to a space because the walls in there are just plain. They're they're white. They're tall. They're huge. Mm-hmm. So what you know what what could we do? Well, we could put up art. Other spaces on campus that we've been sort of working on, not not quite as heavily as the commuter lounge, because we wanted to focus on spaces that anyone can have access to. If they're in the residence halls, not everyone has access to them. However, we did work on there's a lounge and a chapel area that Reverend Dr. Lisa Banks-Williams has been working on, uh, the chapel that is in the basement of Strawn, uh, which very few people knew about, very few students knew about, and it's for students. It's a cute little room that has like a, a big stained glass and, and a little kneeling thing that you can pray. Um, they fixed the carpet. They updated some stuff. It's so sweet. And from Living Sanctuary, we put in this chapel space um, a water feature so that there's trickling water 
um, that you can listen to, uh, Zen Garden that we put in there. So you can go in and, and play with the Zen Garden. It's, it's the little tray with sand in it and a little rake that you can, you know, a couple other things, you know, pillows, just stuff like that. Like the questions that we've been asking are, how can this space be more comfortable? And how can we make it so that people will actually want to go there? Because if you walk by a space and there's nothing but like uncomfortable chairs and harsh lighting, you're not going to want to hang out in there. And, and it really does something to your spirit to have a space that's comfortable, that has multi, multi-sensory things like a water feature. You know, one of the bummers about the commuter lounges is there's like 18,000 vending machines in there, which are great for if you want snacks, but it's loud. <laughs> like the ringing of the refrigerators, it's loud. So, you know, there's only so much we can do, but th- those are things that we've done at Wesley to kind of make spaces a little bit more comfortable, um, which leads to it being more sacred. Like, how, how can we make people more comfortable? Yeah, I, Ian laughed at the chapel in Strawn. Ian, do you want to tell us your experience of that space while you were a student? Uh, well, just that Strong is haunted and no student ever goes in there. Uh, <laughs> it's haunted by the ghost of, uh, you know, G. Bromley Oxnum that uh, wanders the halls. Yeah, yeah. He's the guy uh, who's buried in the chapel, like the big chapel, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, I see. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, so I mean, I got there when shortly after New Residence Hall was built, because students used to live in Strawn up until the 2010s, which no student should ever be living there after the year of our Lord, 1978, but whatever. And there was just a real push in the community at that point, like Strawn was the faculty space and there's there's no need for like, if you're going to go meet with your faculty advisor, whatever, sure. But like, I think I had more meetings with faculty in the refectory than, mm-hmm. than, than their office. Very few students knew about like some of the student things that were in Strawn. There, there was a very sad fitness area in Strawn. What? There, yeah, yeah. There was like a very sad like game room in Strawn that had probably the foosball table that uh, that uh, David McAllister Wilson played on when he was a student there. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say John Wesley himself, but David McAllister Wilson is the better joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, just students did not spend a lot of time in Strawn at all. I think anyone that was living there when I was a student was maybe an international student from American University at that point, because they they made a big push to be like, no, there are no Wesley students living in Strawn anymore. All the Wesley students have to live in New Residence Hall, or if you have a family the janky apartments and Carol and maybe if you're lucky and you're single you can get a apartment there too yeah and you know and then where did people hang out like where do I hear stories from the people who live on campus it's all in their rooms right it is just you know we made our our own spaces and we made our spaces welcoming for us yeah well new, new residence hall new residence hall has an, every floor has a lounge and that's where when I lived there did most of my community hangouts were in those lounges um, and they were nice that was where there were every floor had a kitchen lounge communities dinner space that's where I wrote a lot of my papers and homework because I'm not someone that can do my homework in my room uh, and I'm not someone that can do my homework in the library uh, but I could do my homework in um, 
the the lounge in in new residence hall so i've also heard that the the library has has some spaces that you can sit and work but when i've been in there there's not like a, a loungy space in there either i don't know if if that it's might be a if you're coming in from the courtyard, it's to your right where the vending machines are. That's the lounge space. The loungey space. There's also in uh, in the reservable classrooms by the library. Uh, in the library, there's like some more com quote comfortable seating. Well, yeah, I was gonna say because the the lounge space designated is just you know hard chairs and maybe a table or two. Yeah. Not you cannot yeah. well on those couches. Yeah. No. Yeah, that might be another space I can breathe some life into or we can breathe some life into i mean this is all coming back to of course having conversations that start you know i i can't just like especially being new to wesley i can't just throw stuff up and expect people to love me and love it and be like wow jesse's great that's not the point um i was a community arts person you know you have to start with the conversations and so that's something that i'm looking for now that i know more people and know more students to really involve folks even more of like what do you want what's needed what's missing how can we make these things more exciting what more you know welcoming inviting whatever speaking of carol hall the community garden is behind carol hall mm -hmm. so oh. if you don't know it's back there you don't know it's back there i didn't know it was there the uh, assistant director of the loose center dr devin apps told me you know at the beginning of the summer she was like oh yeah i really want to work on the garden space we should do more work with the garden and i was like where the f is the garden there's a garden here and um there is it's it's a it's a beautiful spot you kind of if you're looking at carol hall over closer to strawn there's a staircase that you can go down um pretty intense staircase it's very long but you can go down and wrap around and so all behind carol is this really big lawn you know it's relatively narrow but it's the whole length of carol and it goes all the way behind you know strawn as well um gorgeous big trees and there's this huge garden space. Oh gosh, I'm, I'm not going to be able to say, it, but it's, it's a pretty decently sized garden space. You could plant a lot of things in there. And so uh, we've, we had a, a community gardening day a couple weeks ago. We actually have another one tomorrow. Tomorrow we're having another community garden day where we're going to be moving a bunch of dirt and building some planter boxes. So that's another thing that we're trying to rope people into, you know, it's the summer, so there aren't tons of people around, but faculty and staff are still there. The community garden is run by one of our students um, who's just incredible. Um, so she's been heading that up um, in collaboration with Dr. Devin Apps, who's, who just loves gardening personally. And so when we found out there was a garden here, she, you know, totally jumped on that opportunity. So, and with the intention of folks being able to plant things that they want to eat and use and you know flowers or if there are things that you want to eat um even when i was just there the other the other week there were things that i could have taken like uh, you know, flowers and things but there was also i think dill maybe um a, a few small like radishes or something so it's it's a really sweet space and it's yeah tucked away and how how can we make sure that everyone knows what's available especially for folks living on campus but also for folks who are visiting or for you know, people who are new like me that are st still getting to know the area, there's there's a lot of opportunity for a lot of things. And you know, you, you Ian, you talked about the the game area in Strawn. That's another kind of space that I've been sort of thinking about. But there's also this weird, I wouldn't say pressure, but like, oh, don't put too much energy in Strawn because they're gonna 
renovate it or like tear it down and build something new. And so that's another really interesting conversation because it's what we have now and what we have now is gross. And so we need to make it a space that we actually want to use, but we don't want to put too much energy into it because it's going to be knocked down, but we don't know when it's going to be knocked down. So even more, you know, you don't want to put things in or buy things for a space that's just going to be torn down. But like, we have no idea when it's going to be torn down. And from what I've heard, it, it was supposed to have been torn down years ago and it's just been postponed and postponed and that COVID made it worse. So that's, that's another really weird conversation of like, well, you know, don't put energy into this, but like, but it's what we have and what we have isn't working. So we're just perpetuating the mechness of right. a space that is not being used and it's just sitting there. So that's kind of a bummer. <laughs> Yeah, gosh, I think so much about this. There was, when I was at Edinburgh, the new college library was on like the the second floor of this building that it was in to the left of the assembly hall. And then on the first floor, there were like lockers that students could rent out, I guess. But then there was this tiny little chapel in the back that had a couple of stained glass windows, had an altar, had some pews, who knows what they used it for. But that was such an important sacred space for me, even though it wasn't really particularly cared for, somebody had cared for it at one time and it still had, still had a feel of sacredness to it. Like it didn't feel discarded. It just felt quiet and hidden and in a good space for like contemplation and and that didn't require I mean god knows they're never going to renovate that right it's it was there when John Knox was there for all I know like it's an old building but but at Wesley this place where that should have so many spaces for a vibrant community for people to continually say well we don't know what's going to happen next so let's not put money into this right now I like on the one hand I understand that practically on the other hand I'm a nester like the uh the room that I'm in right now is our our office space it's our second bedroom in our townhouse and before I moved in Ian had a moving box in here like it was just not a space that was used at all and like now this is one of one of my favorite spaces in the house because it's got my plants it's got my books it's got art that both of us love up on the walls like it's it is a place that I like was able to curate and now I can use it because before what was I going to do come in here and sit on the ground like it's it's not it wasn't it wasn't useful but like that's that's me in a space that I know I'm going to live in And Wesley kind of creates this expectation, especially of commuter students that like, well, we know you're busy. And so you don't, don't feel like you have to get involved with anything because you're busy, but like, I would have loved to be the person who watered plants, you know, like the plants that are in the classrooms, in the commuter lounge. I would have loved to be somebody who like has a plot in the community garden. And these, these things take effort. They take attention and they take sustained attention, but they don't take a ton of money. And even like, even with the game room, even with things in Strawn, you could slap up a coat of paint and just clean it better and then have have people bring in the things that they want to use in it honestly just letting people know that a space is there and there to be utilized like it's doable i i think churches do this too of well you know we can barely keep the lights on so how are we going what are we going to do with this these sunday school classes that we're never going to use these classrooms and they just end up being moldy spaces that storage stuff spaces that you shove things in that you don't use and then that space gets gross and old and 
yeah. uninspiring. That's that's what happened at our church. There was a space that was huge. Technically, it was two separate rooms, and um, had access to the to the outside to the street level, and um, you know, it, it, they used to be offices. And then when that program got shut down, we had it as storage and we we went in there and I was like well when I started I was like where is there a space that we can make art where is there a space we can like get messy or maybe have art up on the walls and that was a space that we looked at huge it turns out the wall that was separating the two rooms was temporary and non like uh, load bearing so we tore that sucker down now it is a huge room that I am envisioning like yoga classes, Zoom classes, drum circles, like all kinds of things that you can do, not just arts on the walls, but how can you hang out in the middle of the space? What can we, you know, we had a, a big open house and we had food and we had music and places where you can sit and, and engage. And we're still trying to figure out how to make it useful when it's not, you know, housing an event of some kind. But since it's such great ac access to the to the main level, I mean, the, the possibilities are endless. Um, and also, again, coming back to what does the community want? What do people want? If there's a need that that um, th there is, <laughs> you, you don't know unless you talk about it or ask people. So that's another focus of mine is like seeing what people want, because you can go in and have your own ideas. But until you actually talk with people and find out what what is needed or what is missing like that's the that's the missing link and you can put put the puzzle pieces together uh, and what what kind of comes to me out of that is that um you need people's imagination to be active and mm -hmm. i think um i and this is my depression talking a lot of my time at wesley was like surviving <laughs> like mm. it was a rough couple of years as as you know I've complained in class <laughs> um I, but part of it too is that you're coming to this the space that you know you don't really feel wanted in yeah I mean the classrooms at Wesley are some of them have great light so that's good but other than that like they are they still feel very industrial so so it's hard to imagine in a space like that it's hard like like we talked about in the chapel um when we were, were there for the chapel visuals class it's not really a space that's for us it doesn't necessarily feel that way we can make it that way we could put in the effort to that but it wasn't structured for us you know it was structured to be impressive and it is in some ways impressive it like it it does its job what it was intended for but yeah like i, I with the classrooms the community garden rooms at churches so often in, especially in small churches people are again nervous about keeping the lights on nervous about getting people in the door and that limits our imagination we are here and saying like i don't know what we're going to do next and we're panicked and that stops you from saying well what could be in this space Go ahead. oh sorry there's also worry about who's going to keep it up so if yes. there's energy for something like a community garden well that's fine but what, what if what if they leave or what if you know oh winter comes and then it's it's back again and that person has moved or you know who, who's keeping it up yeah. And well, and I, that's the other thing about a seminary is it's such a transient community. People are mm -hmm. there for a couple of years and they go off. Yeah, that's a huge thing because I think a, a big conversation that, that I've been a part of and heard is that like, well, students are only here for two years. So, you know, if they're involved in a, a community project, they're not going to be here to enjoy it. And that's, that's such, I hate that. <laughs> I think that right, that, yeah. like the seminary wouldn't be here if it weren't for the students. So how can we engage 
with them and just because you know we might do a project with them uh for for one thing doesn't mean that future students won't get enjoyment out of it i mean it's important to to think like don't you know do a mural of like people's names like sure i get it you know make sure that it it means something to everyone but how how can we make the spaces at wesley and not just the spaces but the atmosphere and like the idea and the community to where the students really feel valued and heard and appreciated in their time there because they're also people who never step foot on campus but but graduate from Wesley so how can we can continue to be engaged with them you know COVID sucked in every way but it did also force us to think about online ways of engagement and how to how to involve more people from afar and in different time zones, different countries, different languages. So like, there's so many questions to ask. And again, it all comes back to that community idea of, are you talking to people? Are you providing a thing that people actually want or is it your own agenda? And if it is your agenda, where did that come from and, and why? Always gotta go back to the, back to the root. To tie it back into sacred spaces, what I hear a lot from this is that a, a space is sacred when it's alive. So like, like going back to the chapel at Edinburgh, that, that space was alive with history, with the prayers of centuries, with the history of contemplation. Like that was a space that was curated to evoke that in people. And classrooms are hard because they're only used so much of the time, right? So much of the time they sit dormant. And so what does it mean to create a space that's alive in a classroom? Or in a sanctuary, what is what does it mean to create a space that, again, sanctuaries that empty so much of the time, how do we create a space that, that is a living space in there? Whether it is bringing in, like we brought a tree in to worship, a tree that I don't know whose job it is to care for it, but that could use a little more attention. Um, but yeah, like, it, especially with plants or with things that need care, it's rather than viewing it as, well, who's gonna do this next? And how are we gonna keep this up? Like view it as this is ready-made community building, right? This is people investing in the space that they're in. And if you're investing in a space, then you're gonna care about that space. And if you care about that space, you are bringing that space to life, right? I, I think about like elementary school classrooms and how teachers put so much of their money into making that classroom a classroom for the students and it's those classrooms are alive like they are vibrant and they're full of of everything that's needed for kids in in the right spaces why do we not have that same kind of care in churches like and in seminaries like just because we got older doesn't mean we don't need care in that way yeah yeah i think if we i think if you presented that as like a workshop to church people a lot of church spaces would be transformed and more welcoming and more vibrant just like giving them that idea of how do we care for the space how do we make it alive yeah and how to how to keep it changing you know a space can be can be useful and can be used often but that doesn't mean that it is alive you know i think about mm. entry spaces vestibules a lot of churches that I've been to have like a really big area that have like seating and art on the walls or, you know, tables with information on them. If, if, if you create those spaces with intention, that, that can be huge. And if something has been sitting forever and like you never see anyone sitting down or hanging out in there, like give it a little, give it a little bump 
and and always making sure that you can think of why and what what what's the purpose you know what what do you, what are your goals for a space and and who's involved yeah and i do want to acknowledge i was thinking about um when I, after I graduated from college, I got a scholarship to study sacred spaces in Europe. And I, it was a very formal study of what I did of like, oh, this is the, this is what a flying buttress is and the evolution of it and all that kind of stuff. But I think that like the understanding that we're bringing to a sacred space is something that has been shaped and formed in us by our education and by our Mm. theology. Um, And people with a different, maybe, maybe higher, I was going to say Christology, but that's, that's not the right word. Mm. Um, like Ian, who has a higher church sensibility, like what you, you like your church. It's a higher I, church. sensibility. I do. Yeah. 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 There's a, there's a theology that's being fostered in these grand spaces. It's not necessarily a bad theology, but how are we fostering those other closer to the ground theologies, those, um, those theologies that reach horizontally instead of vertically um, mm-hmm. in our spaces. I think that's what we're, we're often afraid of, <laughs> but oh, yeah. I mean, coming from the church of the brethren and, and that being kind of associated with Quakers and Mennonites, <laughs> it's a, that's a lot more community-based. It's a lot more, mm-hmm. it's much more simple. And so it, it allows you to envision and to imagine things that might feel revolutionary that uh, to people coming from a space where that's got a rare DOS say. Yeah, absolutely. You said it. It's a, I've got to not do that in the podcast, but my favorite <laughs> thing to do in the podcast is be, let me summarize this. And see how <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah. Thanks. Do you have a, I, either of you from the the conversations that we've had, we have traveled all over the place, but I think it's all been good. Any kind of closing thoughts, anything you want to circle back to? Hmm. I love having conversations like this. I'll say I, I have been having more conversations like this, not just with, with spiritual people, but my partner who's not affiliated with a church and friends. Um, it's really interesting for me to be at Wesley because like you said, not a lot of people know of the Church of the Brethren. And so to come to a spiritual and religious space from, from, a, from a, another church's perspective, like I still kind of feel like an outsider in a way, even though we all like worship the same God and, and believe in a lot of the same things and the same theologies. It's so interesting to, and then go back to my church from a Wesley's perspective. It's just, it's really incredible. One thing I love about Wesley is the the intention and the desire to be more multicultural to incorporate in services things that are not just from the white western church that's something i've really valued um growing up in a white western church uh having having you know songs and hymns in different languages um a a really big thing for for me has been giving like audible responses during worship that is not something that I grew up with. And so I, I've really come to love and appreciate and even participate in audible responses during worship. Like if somebody says something or like, like clapping is a huge thing now that I really love to do because like there's, when you're filled with the spirit, you just can't help it sometimes, um, but to make a joyful noise. And so the conversations like these and, you know, meeting new people and catching up with 
with old friends is so great to to continue that passion and and yeah to to just keep keep on going yeah well, I'm glad I'm glad that we could do that here in this space this is yeah, Me too. This has been yeah. Great. yeah yeah thank you so much for coming on again we'll have to have you back to continue to talk about these things because there's just there's so much richness here I'm just so, I'm much. so pumped yeah good <laughs> but Ian will you sign us off sure thing friends this has been a mini-sode of what the hell is a pastor we are the dude john westley and blanche and we will see you next time what the hell is a pastor is a part of the disruptive disciples podcast network our theme song is written by Joe Schoenwolf, performed by Joe Schoenwolf, Ian Oriola, and Paul Oriola, and produced by Paul Oriola. Email us at wtheckisapastor at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash disruptivedisciples, on Twitter at WTHIAP, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash WTHIAP, where you can get access to Pillow Talk, merch, and some other stuff. Thanks for listening. And remember, friends, Ethan gave me all the money in his wallet. Yeah. Blanche. It's just so good. I just love yeah. it.